Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to No Sleep on the CWR Talk Network. Tonight, we're missing two of our hosts, Malcolm and Micah, but our thoughts and prayers are with them, and we are looking forward to having them joining us again next week. But today, we do have Clay and Megan back with us tonight, so let's get rolling into tonight's topic. Currently, there's a lot of millennials that are adopting this idea of minimalism. And according to Forbes, 78% of millennials would rather pay for an experience than material goods. Our generation has been doing this in a lot of ways. I know by cutting their wardrobes, donating some of their possessions, and taking on DIY projects, making soaps and detergents, all different kinds of things. And this has even shifted into the housing Um, market by moving to cost and energy efficient tiny homes. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on our co-hosts, Clay and Megan. I know that you probably heard me talking about um, millennials and how we're kind of adopting this idea of minimalism and moving towards, um, you know, DIY projects and donating our stuff and kind of really trying to downsize on everything and even moving into tiny homes. So I wanted to go ahead and start the the show by asking you guys why you think these shifts might be happening and, you know, maybe talk about if we're making those shifts as well. Yeah, well, I think the obvious reason is probably because of uh, the debt-free portion of it, you know, because a lot of the millennials, these days are dealing with student loan debt um, and just now getting out of college. We have a few people who are, you know, probably getting into their career at this point and paying off their student loan debt and they're able to transition more into buying a home. Um, But yeah, I think student loan debt has a lot to do with that. I know for me, I was having a conversation with one of my Colombian friends, and they couldn't fathom the idea of having a 25- or 30-year mortgage loan to then own your home. And so that kind of put it into perspective for me of the idea that that is normalized in the U.S., but in other countries, it's not because of the cost. So that kind of brought to like thinking that that shouldn't be normal, that it should take us that long to own our own homes, but also having the capability of paying it off too. So going back to what Clay said, the debt and, you know, maybe not wanting to settle down right away either. So not wanting to buy a home right away. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you said the 30-year mortgage thing because as I was looking over, you know, the articles and stuff that we had for this and really thinking about why we may be doing this, I was definitely thinking of the mortgage myself because I know me personally, I don't own a home right now, and a lot of that is because I don't want to be tied to a place. And a lot of times when you do buy a home, you know, you're really tied to that place, maybe not for the entire 30 years because you can try to recoup some money back, but you have to be there, you know, for a long while before you're even going to be able to break even to move out of it. So really it's tying you to where you are. So I think that's Yeah. And then all the front load of costs too, like the idea of having to go buy a lawnmower and a snowmobile, well, maybe not nice and stuff, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
just that's money that you have to actually invest to make it feel homely and to be able to manage that home. So that idea of even more spending even more money on top of the house, but not not only the house, but on top of the things the house. I think you guys have an issue with your line because you're cutting in and cutting out. Oh, okay. Can you can you hear us now? We're good now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What did you catch of that, Kylie? Well, it kind of went in and out. So go ahead and kind of repeat a little bit what you were saying. Yeah. So, so I was saying that, um, not only the cost of the home and the responsibility, but the responsibility to maintain it too. So buying a lawnmower and, um, you know, a rake and like just things that you need to maintain that home is another added cost. That's kind of scary when you have $50,000 in student loan debt that you're also paying back too. Yeah, definitely. And student loans are, Definitely not cheap. The the repayment on them is insane. And I think a lot of times when you're making, we have to look at it like there is a, a high student loan debt right now, but we're, all, we're also considered the most educated generation as far as schooling and whatnot goes. And so when you have so many people going out into the job market and we have a lot of the same qualifications, we're getting jobs that we may not be making as much money as we thought that we may have when we started college. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's also more likely to be able to finance it up front. Um, but, and I mean, you do have to pretty well be able to finance it up front or you do have to go to a bank and um, take out a loan, which can be, you know, less, with some banks, they're not going to always finance the tiny houses, but with the ones that do, like, it's definitely an added advantage. Yeah, and I think that I, when we were doing our reading, too, I saw that there were uh, credit is sometimes an issue as well, um, especially with us, because I think it should start younger. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times, mentioned it on the show, that people aren't really educated, um, you know, in high school and in college and stuff about how to really manage your finances. So I think that we kind of get sucked into the credit cards and all this debt, and we don't really realize, I mean, we know we have to pay it off, but we don't really realize how hard it hits you when you have these high interest rates and all of those yeah. things yeah. as well. So, and, and it really hurts your credit, and so it makes you a less viable candidate for a housing loan too. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I also read an article yesterday um, on Investopedia uh, where it said basically one third of millennials are purchasing homes in 2018 and paying $300,000 or more for that house, which is, is basically a huge step from the 150 or 250,000 that uh, buyers in the past were paying for a starter home, you know, and so millennials, I mean, I think that also plays into the education thing. Like, we're not used to managing finances, and so we're probably more likely to throw away money and not think about the ramifications of it later. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this this fact here is, is 
one of those things. We just don't really think about the ramifications of buying a starter home for 300000 or more. Definitely. What you touched on, Kylie, of not wanting to be tied down as well, because I'm kind of the same mindset of, oh, my gosh, if I bought a house, I would have to live here for at least, you know, five to seven years. And even if that is, you know, realistic, I don't want to know that, okay, wow, I am stuck here for that long. Mm-hmm. Um and then the pro- whole process of getting out of it, I mean, you have to, I don't even know, you have to hire a realtor if you want or go through the whole legal process. Um, sometimes you don't even make money when you sell your home back. There's and, so much hassle. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. yeah. It's not free to sell a home back. You know, you have closing costs and you got to pay a percentage to your realtor and, and all that stuff too. So that comes off the top. Millennials want as little hassle as possible. Yeah. Just, I just feel like that's how we are. And yep. that's also what I read in an article. When we're looking for a house or millennials are looking for a house, they want as little hassle as possible. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to ideally go online, look at a house, maybe, you know, text a realtor about it, <laughs> yeah. which is also what the article is. Yeah. Millennials are trending more toward technology, yep. and they don't really want to have to go to a house and tour it with a realtor as mm-hmm. much as just text them about it, <laughs> it you know, because it's less hassle and it's less work to have to do that. Yep, for sure. Yeah, we hate picking up a phone, that's for sure. I know when you're looking at houses <laughs> or really anything yeah. online, there's always that little button that says text me or call me and the number pops right up and you know we just rely on technology so much so I think it changes like you were saying Clay the way that we may look for a house or may look for something else or you know anything really any type of product or service I mean we go straight to the internet right so um yeah oh go ahead Kylie no you go ahead definitely I, want to know I had a question for uh, for both of you because since this was a topic that I had brought to attention and I'm a little more familiar with it just because I'm really interested in actually doing this someday and living in a tiny home. But uh, how much do you guys think a tiny house costs? Because I know that some people have no idea and they, you know, they have no like parameter of what they think a tiny house could cost it's actually fully funny yeah to fully to build it and you know all the appliances and features what do you guys think well i do have a question on it do you have to are you buying do you buy land so that can be part of the cost but you don't have to um there are definitely places that people rent uh, a spot out like a um, a campsite you can technically I mean depending on the zoning laws and whatnot but I've read a lot of people can park their tiny houses on a campsite and they just pay the $30 a day in rent and so oh, it doesn't wow. have to include bought a piece of land that you physically buy that's really interesting. I had a friend once that uh, he actually, he had a camper, and he bought a camper, and he just lived up campground and drove to work every day, and he saved a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know, like, what's, what this has gone to. 
I think maybe I don't know because I, I mean I've looked at them before, but I've never really dove deep into it. But I think they would just be aren't they like a couple thousand dollars, and you could have like really nice tiny house. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna be honest. Um, <laughs> I you know me being a millennial, I immediately went to the internet <laughs> to look this up while y'all were talking about this. And um, before that, though, I was going to guess that to fully finance it Mm -hmm. and to provide appliances, you know, a bed, a a bed or two and all of that stuff, Mm -hmm. I was going to guess maybe five or six thousand. Oh, man. To finance finance all of that. But I actually looked at uh, com. And they have it estimated to cost around forty thousand, which is about two hundred sixty-six dollars a square foot. So that blew my mind. Yeah. So yeah, that blows my mind too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it crazy? You can fit that much money into such a small space. <laughs> but um, I've seen ranges of people have built it themselves for like $20,000 and have really minimal appliance. You know, they don't have the nicest things. And then I found a company that builds your, builds the tiny house for you. And they were all the way up to $135,000, which is a a home, you know, a normal sized home. So um, what I learned it can cut it obviously can vary what you want to do um i think the biggest difference differentiation is if you want to build it yourself or if you want to pay someone to build it which is you know like a normal home too some people do build their own homes but um that's kind of i think the bigger cost is if you pay someone to build it obviously there's a contract and the labor portion but yeah i mean think about that if you had a $60,000 tiny house like you can pay that off pretty quick and if you budget properly if you learn how to if you educate yourself on budgeting like we were talking about earlier but it's still not a 25-year loan by any means so I think it's a great alternative what do you think Holly how do you feel about it (laughs) No, I think it's really, it's interesting, and every time I see them, you know, because on Facebook, because, you know, we're millennials, you see all these people, you know, posting these different things where they'll do, like, tiny home giveaways, or they'll have, I'm a member of, like, this little online travel group, and they'll post, you know, things that they're working on, and I've even seen people taking, like, old school buses and turning Mm -hmm. them into things that are nicer than my apartment. And it's just crazy to look at. I find it really interesting. And I wish that I could declutter enough to where I could do something like that. But I don't know if I could. Yeah. Could you yeah. do it? Like a good segue into uh, one of my questions. So I said, I want to present the question, could you live in a smaller space, even if it's with a significant other? Oh, geez. That's a really good question. And right now we have to um, go to break, but I do want to go ahead and um, encourage people to call in if you have any questions or comments on minimalism or tiny houses or if you just want to 
call and ask us a different question, you can give us a call at 917-889-8078. And, Clay, we will take your question as soon as we come back. Perfect. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for important causes and issues like financial literacy. That is why so many people listen to the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show. Lionel is a seasoned veteran in the finance industry, but more importantly, Lionel cares about people. He shares his vast knowledge of the finance world in a personal way that goes beyond dollars and cents with advice that makes sense. So let Lionel help you get your finances in order or avoid costly errors in judgment that may be devastating to you and your family. Listen to the Lionel Shipman Check Your Finances show every Tuesday exclusively on the CWR Talk Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Dave. What are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. People been saying to your friend, get a different face. And posting on their feed, they're super ugly. The things they say to them online are cruel and they're not true. So tell your friend, I'll stand up for you. Don't worry, I know what to do. Know someone being bullied online? You can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're listening to 
The CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, before we went into break, Clay had a really good question, and for people who might be just joining uh, the the program, will you go ahead and repeat your question for you so we can go ahead and dive into it, Clay? Yes, I will. Oh, could you live in a smaller space, even if it's with a significant other? I would like to think that I can. Yeah? Okay. But I like my space at the same time because sometimes, you know, if I'm angry or if I just want to be left alone, I think it would be really hard to hide from somebody if you're in such a tiny home. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, everyone has different personality types depending on whether you're, like, an extrovert or an introvert and how much – or how you recharge, like if you have to be around people to recharge or if you have to be by yourself to recharge. Yeah. I would say definitely with my boyfriend and I, because we kind of, I liked the idea and then I kind of introduced it to him and he came on board, but we both understood each other, having each other's space and knowing that, you know, it's not rude to want space. So I think you have to have that understanding with the person that you're going to live in a 300 square foot home with um, to know that, you know, if you have to go outdoors more to give that person space so you're not both in the home all the time. And I think that kind of ties into the whole lifestyle of tiny homes is it's small. So you are outdoors and engaging with others whether it's going to coffee or dinner or something like that so it's not meant to be spent in the home as much as we probably do now so what would you do if he played music or played like a tv show or something that you just absolutely hated you just go for a walk yeah i mean i'd probably have to go outside i'd spend a lot of time outside (laughs) yeah there are, so I definitely, I feel that because when I've looked at kind of how I want to design a tiny house, I've thought of like, how can you separate, make a, two spaces within such a small space and kind of separate it so you still feel that you're in a separate space. So there are some styles of tiny houses where there is like a separate bedroom in a sense. Um, where you can close the little tiny door and at least have privacy, whereas the other person can be in the living room. But, I, again, I think it's kind of like talking it over with that person and figuring out how you would do that so it doesn't become a problem that just sits there and brews once you're actually living it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that it makes me think a lot about people who live in larger cities like New York and whatnot, and they live in studio apartments, uh, and they find ways yeah. that they can kind of put everything together so you can kind of have a separate sleeping place versus, you know, where your living space is necessarily. Do you think you could do it, Clay? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, you know, I'm an extroverted person, <laughs> and so I rely on being around people all the time. Um, so I don't know. I haven't found that person yet that I could make that type of commitment with to live that closely with. Um, I do have faith that I could do that eventually, but it would have to be with someone that I'm wholeheartedly dedicated to. Yeah, and definitely somebody yeah. clean because I feel like if you leave one thing oh. out, your whole place is going to look a mess. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that in one of the articles this week saying, like, a mess can become a big one mm-hmm. really fast in a tiny home. Yeah, that was something that before I really considered the idea, I kind of tried to adopt those practices that you were talking about, Kylie, of getting rid of clothes I don't wear and, you know, extra stuff that I just don't use. So I tried to adopt that, um, which I feel like I've done a decent job. Uh, I have pretty few things that I really care about and have attachment to because that's the other concept too is you can't have that attachment to stuff because that's how you accumulate it and, you know, can't get rid of it later. But I, yeah, I think it's, you definitely have to be tidy and not leave things around because otherwise then your whole tiny house is a mess after you leave two pairs of shoes out. Yeah. And, I mean, unless you're willing to pay for additional storage, you're going to have to get rid of mm-hmm. a lot of mementos. And a lot of couples who have gone into tiny houses and have made that commitment, have had to put away stuff or throw away stuff that yeah. really means a lot to them so that they had enough room to be able to cook mm-hmm. or split, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so do you guys think that a lot of people are doing this because they want to do this minimalistic style of living and to save money, or do you think that people are kind of hopping on board because it's trendy? That was – totally one of my questions I was going to ask you guys. So props to you, Kylie, for for asking it, because I think it's a good question. Um, I think I was definitely talking about this with my boyfriend of the idea of this tiny house movement and whether it was kind of pushed by millennials because of the debt situation that we're in. But I, from what I've done for research, it's not just millennials that are doing it. It's people that are, you know, retiring or, have lost their home. Clay and I were talking about how the housing crisis, you know, affected people's mindsets of I can lose my home one day. And so, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy such an expensive home the next. So I think it was a combination of the housing crisis and the mentality change with that, as well as more people have more debt. So they're looking at more cost effective ways to live today. Yeah, and I think there's also the delayed marriage factor coming in here because in millennials' heads, they think that owning a home, it means I've arrived, I have stability, and they're thinking, like, I'm, I'm really not going there in my head until, you know, another 10 or 15 years because – I don't want to own a home until I settle down with my significant other and I'm able to declare stability. Um, you know, home ownership for millennials is going down 
um, for this reason, um, more so than in other generations. And so I think that's definitely also a factor because you're not living with another person um, and you're having to support yourself. That's also going to be another factor in, you know, going for the tiny house route. Yeah, yeah definitely. Agree? I think it's, yeah, I do. And I think that it is trendy and, you know, because you see everybody doing these projects and you're like, oh, this is so cool. I want to live like this. And we kind of, you know, social media has a really huge influence on what we do and what we think is cool and, and whatnot. And I think things like Pinterest, that has gotten really, really big. You know, we see these things on Pinterest or we see people that are making, like we had mentioned earlier, like their own soaps or their own detergents. And you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. They're saving money and doing that. And it looks like fun. And so we see all yeah. these other people doing it, and we just say, oh, we want to do that, too. Right, right. So for and me, if I did it, it would be yeah. cool. What was that? <laughs> and the show, Tiny Houses. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's making yeah. it cool for everyone. Right. Anything you make a TV show out of, you know, like, it's kind of like how they have with American Pickers and all those other shows. And now you have all these people going to these, like, junkyards and stuff trying to find their, like, cool piece for their house. Right, right. So, Kylie, do you feel like homeownership represents this this idea that one has arrived? One has arrived? Yes. Is that how you how you view homeownership? Like you've made it. Yeah, in like, life. like I, you've made it. If you would have asked me that question maybe when I was in college, when I was younger, you know, or when I was yeah. 20 or something like that, I would have said most definitely yes. But now that I've, you know, now that I'm older and I've graduated college and I have my career and I have my stuff, I don't look at it as if I arrived. I more so look at it as that I've committed to something, you know, I've committed to live in this house for such a long time and I've committed to stay in the area that I live in. But I think yes. as millennials, you know, I with the older generations, I know with my dad, um, especially um, my parents, and I'm sure your parents as well, they had these jobs when they finished school or when they graduated high school, and they would stay with the company for 30, 40 years. And they, you know, they might have had like one or two jobs, but they just stayed with the same company and worked their way up, and eventually they retired from that company. And our generation yeah. has really, really strayed from that. And so you take a job and you might be there a year or two years and then you're looking for a move. You're looking for something different. We kind of, I feel like our society, I guess, as millennials, we're kind of more like that too. And so it makes me scared to, to buy a house. And I don't necessarily feel like I have to have one in order to feel like I've done well, I guess. What about you guys? Okay. Yeah. How do you feel, Megan? Yeah, I think it goes back to the concept of that we want to buy experiences rather than materialistic things. And, you know, I know you said you travel a lot, Kylie. Like, I think that's great because you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. Whereas, you know, if you have a great home, you'll remember that too. But what, you know, is more impactful on shaping someone as a person are are the experiences that they have. So I definitely would much rather spend money and time and resources on experiences that I can get something away from rather than putting it into a materialistic thing that 
you know, we give meaning, but again, it's that attachment more than what it's, you know, like what you mm-hmm. get from it. So I, I think having a home is important. Obviously, <laughs> you need somewhere to live, but I think putting that mindset of, okay, experiences are more important than having a $500,000 home that I can show to my mm-hmm. friends, you know? Yeah. yeah, I know right. what I do is when I buy something, if it's something really expensive that I'm looking at, like, you know, a really expensive bag or, you know, just something I don't necessarily need, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, I could buy this or that's a plane ticket. And uh-huh. that's how I look yeah. at everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, or I'm like, oh, that's a weekend in New Orleans or, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, well, right. I could pay that and do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, actually, I do feel this exact way about home ownership. And, you know, for me, I don't feel like marriage is going to happen for another 10 or 15 years. And I'm just putting back because I I do want to continue in school after I have my master's degree and hopefully go to law school after that. And then, you know, focus on my career before I go do marriage. And so I feel like home ownership happens you know, around that time or a little after that time. And so for me right now at the po- at this point in my life, I do feel like homeownership represents this idea that one has arrived and it means stability and it means you're putting roots down, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not there yet, but, you know, I'm one day going to be there. And that's the concept, how the concept rings true for me. Yeah, for sure. I don't plan on being in an apartment forever, but I don't want to be in a big yeah. old house by myself either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, right. Oh, what do you do with all that space if you're the only one there? Right, and then you got to clean it. Uh-huh. So, right, <laughs> right. Because even if you're not living in certain areas that your house, it still gets dusty and you still got to, you know, do the upkeep. And the cost to, to heat and cool a home, too, you know, the bigger – house you have the more square footage the more that you're going to pay in utilities right so everything just kind of you know comes yeah. together so do you do you have any questions Megan like um I already asked you guys about how much it costs so I know Another thing that I've been curious about, like where kind of you touched on a little bit, Kylie, like where do you put a tiny house? Um, So from what I've read through people blogging and just marketing it through social media is, uh, or I'll ask you guys, where do you guys think people park their tiny houses first before I, where do you think people, but that, that don't buy their own land? I should say that. People who don't buy a plot of land, where do you think they can park in houses? Do you have an idea, Kylie? You're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's somewhere where they can park it easily and Mm -hmm. it would be okay with whoever owns that land, I guess. Yeah. So it has to be family or friends. Yeah, so um, we touched on this a little bit, Kylie, that parking it at a campsite 
which is actually really ideal because the hookups are already there, like the water and sewer and electricity, because you don't even think about that as a tiny house being mobile, but then needing the infrastructure of the electricity hookups and water pipes and sewer. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, um, I haven't looked too much into it, but I know it's more difficult than people think because if that isn't there, you have to go off grid, which is another like subsector of tiny homes where they're completely self-sufficient, which is amazing to me because that's, I don't, (laughs) but uh, yeah, like living on family farms that allow you to hook up to their power lines and, or renting. Some people just, if they have a lot of land, they'll rent it to people. Um, and then in parks, sometimes parks let you do it. It's You can find various places, but there's also a lot of like the zoning laws that you have to deal with too, because um, campers are considered something different than a tiny house, even though they're kind of the same thing when you physically look at them. And so it's, it's more complicated than than just parking it somewhere and, you know, what you get to, okay, I can just live here. I don't have to pay taxes or anything or have a mailing address. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess my, one of my questions would be, I know me, one of my side things that I do um, is that uh, I consult for a company that's actually an African company and they're, um, they're in West Africa and they, are developing solar energy and using solar panels and bringing that to villages because in a lot of these West African villages, specifically in Burkina Faso, which is what I'm connected to, they um, their student their students and their kids and stuff when they want to study, you know, they don't have electricity and they don't have things. So when you're in the village, you see kids sitting under street lamps and street lights trying to do their homework or trying to read and trying to educate and better themselves. And I know that it's a really cost-effective way that they're bringing energy to these villages and stuff. So I was curious if for these tiny homes, if people are looking at the use of solar energy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, I definitely know that if I, when I build one, I want to use that just because uh, you can basically wipe out your electricity bill if you do it because, and especially if you don't use a lot of uh, energy or electricity because you have the natural lighting from the windows and things like that. So um, it's definitely cost effective for a tiny house to do it just because you're not using so much. So it doesn't take a lot of solar energy to keep up with that. Um, I was actually just talking about this yesterday with someone about the Tesla roof, um, solar roof that they build and how I was curious if any tiny homes had have, if someone put that on their tiny house yet, but I haven't heard of anything. I just thought it was an interesting idea since they're really moving towards, you know, solar power with Tesla. That's I awesome. haven't even thought of it all <laughs> for the time. <laughs> it's just like, whoa! <laughs> I'm not as loud as that. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, another interesting. Everybody. 
Oh, it's okay. I wanted to go ahead and remind everybody that we do have our lines open, and we got to go ahead and take another commercial break. But if you do want to call in with any questions or comments on the topic that we're talking about today, the number is 917-889-8078. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for life empowerment programs like Career Reels with Carolyn. We understand that many of our listeners need career advice to advance their careers to the next level, and others need advice on finding a job. We have been blessed with the addition of Ms. Carolyn Owens to our network. Carolyn is the chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching Incorporated, which provides career, leadership, and life coaching that moves individuals forward, allowing them to take command of their lives. With over 25 years of proven experience, she is a leading authority on leadership and professional development and has worked with and trained top leaders across the globe. Her show, Career Reels with Carolyn, may be heard the second Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Career Reels is a show that discusses how you can become the star of your life. Carolyn and her guests will share with you tips and strategies on how you can reach and stay at the top of your game. You'll also hear about hot topics and trends that can make a difference in your career or business. So tune in the second Monday of each month to hear Career Reels live and get hired or take your career to the next level. For more information, visit Carolyn's page on our website at cwrtalknetwork.com. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes, and you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio, you're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. (laughs) They can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. 
Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of Electrosynth Pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to remind everyone that our lines are open, and the number to call in is 917-889-8078. Um, before we went to break, we were talking about uh, tiny homes, and I think, Clay, you had a question or a comment that you wanted to get to before we went to break, so I'll go ahead and let you have the floor. Yeah, so I was just wondering if benefits of tiny houses outweigh the disadvantages. I I would say I'm pretty biased. So I would think the advantages definitely outweigh the disadvantages. But um, actually, before we got on, Clay and I were talking about how when you have a tiny house on wheels uh, and you put it somewhere, you don't have to pay property taxes. So we kind of thought of that as a disadvantage because if you're in an area of other you know, foundational homes, normal homes, that could be kind of frustrating for them because you're living in the same neighborhood but not contributing financially through taxes to kind of support that neighborhood. So I had never thought of it that way until 20 minutes ago. So, but I still think the advantages are are better than the disadvantages. Okay, what about you, Tally? Um, I, you know, I have to agree with, with Megan. I think that for me, I would want to, I would want to try to do it and I would want to do it. It's just that I, it would be hard to part with everything, but I think once you do it, it would be kind of empowering to, you know, get rid of most of your stuff and kind of live this really free lifestyle with, you know, little money per month to live and that extra money from your rent can go towards, you know, paying off your student loans or paying off your debt. And it gives you a lot more financial freedom. So I think it's great. Yeah. I'm going to be the outlier here. <laughs> and I'm going to say that I'm just really not crazy about the idea. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's a really cool concept though. And I think it allows particularly couples 
the opportunity to be really creative with their me time, and it allowed them, you know, to be really intentional about the time that they put aside for themselves. I just, I, I can't, I don't know, I don't think I can live in such small quarters. Maybe I could do it with, an, with just myself, but I struggle to just live by myself, and I need another person in the house with me. So that's something, that's a struggle that I would probably encounter. And, um, you know, besides all of that, you know, you have popping. So if if you did have, like, a bathroom leak or a broken toilet or something, I feel like a, an issue like that would be magnified by 10 times. And, you know, you are also talking about moving the tiny house and, you do have to consider popping when you are transporting a tiny house and, you know, the issues that that runs into. And like, if, if some of your pops, you know, break or they're not, you know, up to par while you're transporting them, like, what do you do then? You know? So I'm not completely won over with tiny houses, but I do think it's a neat concept. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for me would be if I had to live on the campground. I think that yeah. would be really yeah. difficult for me. I, w- I don't think I would do that. <laughs> I think yeah, I would, I would want a little land, I think, you know, to have a little uh-huh. bit of space. Because when you're in a, camp- a campground, you can hear everybody else's conversation, and people are having fires, and they're cooking, and I would just feel like everybody's on top of me. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't think that's the norm, but people do it. But I agree with you, Kylie. I I think that would be too too connected with my neighbors. <laughs> well, we do yeah. have a couple more minutes left, um, and I do know that midterms are a couple weeks away. So, um, are you guys involved or you know participating in local elections and stuff like that? I'm not actually involved with any campaigns right now, but I try to keep up with important races across the United States. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens in midterms and, you know, whether or not Democrats take the House, um, what's going to happen with the Russia probe and how that's going to impact everything. Um, And, I mean, you have a lot of really strong candidates that are running right now, particularly women, they're being energized all across the nation in a way that is really special and beautiful. I mean, I think it's really neat to watch so many women running for office. And I think there's actually a record number of women running for gubernatorial races this time around. And you have possibly the first black governor Um, who is a woman in Georgia, and she is running a fabulous campaign. And then you also have Beto O'Rourke, who is running in Texas against Senator Ted Cruz. And he has been um, a sitting senator for, I think he's still in his first term, maybe. Um, And he he has a lot of support in Texas. But Beto O'Rourke has actually visited every single county in Texas. And I know, I know, yeah. yeah. And he's really energizing people, and he's energizing people to run within Texas itself. So 
I'm interested in the Georgia race. I'm interested in uh, the Senate race in Texas. Of course, I'm also interested in, you know, just the mayoral races here in Little Rock between, you know, Warwick Saban um, and, you know, quite quite a few of the other candidates. Have you been watching any of the any of the elections in the U.S.? <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I have. And I think it's really interesting because politics have changed so much in the past couple of years from what we're used to. and. Yeah. You know, we've had people in office that we never dreamed would ever be in office. And I know sometimes I wake up or I look at the news or something and I just think, like, is this real life? <laughs> so I feel like it's a big dream. And I'm I'm excited to see what happens and where everything goes because it's been kind of like watching this reality TV show that you can't help but watch. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say to millennials are going to be key in all of these elections because in one of my classes, we're talking about how ages, I think, like 18 to uh, 30, maybe 34, they have the lowest turnout in voting. So I definitely encourage, you know, everyone, everyone to get out there and vote, but especially millennials, because we are a big demographic that's being very underrepresented. So, you know, whatever party you're for, candidate you're for, just get out there and vote. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and we make up a big part of the population. So I think that if millennials all got out there and vote, we could maybe see changes in some certain Mm -hmm. ways that we may want to see them. But, again, no matter what way you're voting, just get out there and exercise your right to do it. So I guess this time I want to go ahead and thank you guys for being on tonight. It was great having you. And I want to remind everyone that you can catch up on our past shows at blog talk radio slash CWR talk radio. Uh, We're also on iTunes, Google play and Stitcher. And I want to let everyone know that next week we have uh, our show planned and we're going to be discussing millennials and religion So it should be really interesting with some different perspectives on that. And hopefully we'll have Micah and Malcolm back with us. So I want to tell everyone good night, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong.